Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Down the Field, the official DTF podcast. I am your host, Andrew Robinson, and it is good to be back on the mic after three weeks away, I guess it was. Uh, it is nice to be back and speaking to you all. Thank you for the uh, for the many text messages saying, hey, where's the new episode of Down the Field? Um, I got one that said, WTF, where's the DTF? Hey, I'm a man of the people. That's all I am, just a man of the people, and I am here to deliver another episode. And uh, just been a crazy February on a lot of accounts, but um, glad to be back with you. And uh, again, thank you for, as always, all the support. But uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump in. And there has been so much going on uh, in the world at large and definitely in the world of sports since I was last in front of this microphone. Oh, by the way, I am broadcasting, as I always am, from Atlanta, Georgia, the home of Trey Young and the Hawks, who, by the way, quick story, uh, I ran into at, at Chipotle or Chipotle, whatever whatever you're supposed to say. I don't know. I don't eat there that often. Um, but I went there on the advice of a few of my roommates who were sitting down on the couch eating some, and I said, you know what? I'm going to get some as well. So I go to the Chipotle, and I see this, like, blacked out – it wasn't a Mustang. It wasn't a Corvette. I can't, I can't remember the exact type of car, but I'm like, wow, this is a really nice car. I parked right beside it. I go inside the Chipotle, and the first person I see in the back corner booth is Trey Young. Now, this is the uh, the day before the NBA season starts after the All-Star break, so I guess this was last Wednesday or Thursday. And I thought to myself, Mike, should I go get a picture with Trey Young? And <laughs> an overwhelming voice inside me was like, no, A, you're not a Hawks fan, but B, that guy is a lot younger than you, and you're going to look like a a total dweeb if you do. So uh, I elected not to, but really funny. I went up to him. I was like, keep doing what you're doing, man. Making Atlanta proud. He said, thank you. And uh, got back to eating his meal, but just thought that I would uh, throw that in there. Uh, so not only has that happened since the last time I came on air, but there have been a lot of different storylines that have unfolded a little bit here in the sports world. Uh, we had the NHL and NBA uh, trade deadlines where Really nothing monumental happened in both. Um, we can talk to Hunter Tate, and we plan on talking to Hunter Tate right before the NHL playoffs start to discuss Nashville Predators hockey. Uh, they had a good last few minutes at the trade deadline. And, and by minutes, I literally mean minutes. Um, but the NBA trade deadline was, once again, very uneventful. Well, you know, a couple couple moves here and there, but... You know, I mean, Mark Gasol to the Raptors was a big move. Um, as usual, the Grizzlies were, <laughs> uh, how do I put this politely, uh, shown the uh, the exact reason why they're one of the worst run teams in the NBA. They not just are horrendous at drafting, but they have once again proven why they're so, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of nice words to describe what the Grizzlies are. It's just, it's just a bunch of dumbasses. Let's just be frank. And it was once again shown at the trade deadline getting absolutely nothing from Mark Gasol. Uh, and the one people who want to argue Jonas Valanciunas, I'm sorry, I'm not going to hear that. Anyway, um, that's here nor there. But very uneventful. But what we have had 
is a very eventful three weeks of college basketball. In the time since I last did this podcast, the Tennessee basketball volunteers were number one for a month. So let's start there. Let's start with the basketball team, the Tennessee basketball volunteers, who, by the way, on Saturday played the biggest game in Thompson Bowling Arena history, and I will get into that here in a little bit. But let's let's talk about them for a little bit because what they did for one month was really spectacular. They beat everyone by 12 or more. And they, they really dominated, and everyone's like, oh, we're not playing good, and they're right. We haven't played good in a very long time. But the fact of the matter is, they were number one, and they stayed there for three straight weeks. They were there for a month. Then they went on the road and played one of the best teams in college basketball and, and got a little shell-shocked early and could never recover. It happens. It's college basketball. And for those who think that the sky is falling, you know, one more minute, I'll get to that too. But let's let's celebrate what they did. Everybody, this team has such high hopes. This is such typical Tennessee fans, right? Oh, we, we can do it this year. So as soon as we lose one or two games, the sky is falling and we suck again. And, you know, this is probably a Sweet 16 team, no better. I mean, come on. Those, those are the people that haven't watched college basketball long enough to know what was happening. Throughout the course of a 30 to 35 game season, you're going to get bumps and you're going to get scrapes. It happens. This basketball team is 25 and 3. They are 13, what, what, no, what? Yeah, yeah, 13 and 2 in conference play. Before this conference play started, I said, and I think I said it on this podcast, I thought that 13 and 5 or 14 and 4 was going to be good enough to win this league or at least get a share of it. I don't think anyone in their right mind when conference play started had any idea that Kentucky was going to turn it on like they did and that LSU was going to do what they did in conference play. And kudos to both teams, but the fact of the matter is Tennessee's right with them. And there there were so many Tennessee fans in the last 2 weeks that were ready to throw in the towel. Why? Why? Oh, we're not as good as we thought we were. We're not playing as good as we were. Yeah, you're right. Do you really expect that we were going to play at the at the rate that we were beating Gonzaga for the rest of the season? Come on. Many, many analysts think that Duke is the best team in college basketball. I don't. I don't think that at all. I think they're too young and too inexperienced. We'll get to Duke here in a few minutes. But Duke has lost two games in two weeks. The sky's not falling in Durham. The sky is not falling at Duke because they've lost two games in two weeks. I know what you're going to say, Andrew, they had Zion out. Yeah, but they also are full of five stars, so I don't want to hear that argument. I really don't. That argument is null and void. Just because Zion Williamson is out, and I get he's the best player, he's the unanimous number one draft pick, him not playing has helped his draft stock more than him playing. But the facts are still the facts. They're full of five stars and four stars. And they've lost two games in two weeks. Do you know why the sky's not falling at Duke? Because they've been here and they've done that and they know what it's about. And they know that you're going to lose games in conference play. Playing midweek road conference games 
or midweek weekend conference games, if you're playing on the road in your conference, I don't care if you play in the ASUN, the Summit League, the MAC, the WAC, the SEC, or the Pac-12. It doesn't matter. You play a conference road game, it is incredibly difficult to win. It doesn't matter who you're playing, and it doesn't matter what time of day you're playing. It is incredibly difficult to win, and I think that everyone would agree with that. So Tennessee has lost two road games to two really good teams, two Final Four contenders, Kentucky and LSU. And yeah, I'm going to say that about LSU. They've got the guard depth, and they've got the length inside. LSU, they lost in a fluky way, and it was a weird game, and they didn't play their best, but you know what? Neither did LSU. It doesn't matter. It's a conference road game. It's hard. You lose in overtime. It happens. You get roughed up by your arch rival who's a blue blood and is playing out of their minds right now in Kentucky. That's okay. You get a chance to avenge it on Saturday. But just because you lose those two games, the sky is falling on this team? Give me a break. Give me a break. You know, it's really hard to talk to Tennessee fans. And and honestly, I, I can't imagine being Rick Barnes. And if you actually had to listen to this garbage. Luckily, he doesn't know what Twitter is, so he doesn't listen to it. And I, I think that I'm talking to the very minority group of the University of Tennessee fan base. But the fact that there's even a group to begin with is, is sad. And we're ready to start throwing players under the bus. And we knew, wow, they were just playing good. I mean, come on. This is a team that has won 25 games. Do Tennessee fans realize that in the history of Tennessee basketball, Ernie and Bernie, the greats, all the Bruce Pearl teams, all the Ray Mears teams, there's never been a team in back-to-back years that have has won 25 games in, in both seasons. This is the first time in history, last year and this year, and people are ready to throw this group under the bus and say that their, their heads got too big. It's maddening. It is maddening. And I think that the majority of people would agree with me. This University of Tennessee basketball team has a chance to win 30-plus games. 30-plus games. And the saddest part of all this is, if we beat Kentucky on Saturday, everyone that has dogged this team for three weeks is going to shut up. And they're going to be the exact same group of people that was over the moon when we became number one back in January. It's the exact same group. And that's okay. It's, it's okay to be passionate. And, and it's also okay to be realistic. And being a Tennessee fan makes you want to be a pessimist. I get it. I'm right there with you. We've been there. It sucks. There's been many occasions where the University of Tennessee in basketball, football, baseball has ripped your heart out and and never asked and never said they're sorry. I get that. But here's also the facts. You've got a group of three stars that play like three stars. Or sorry, that play like five stars. Have they played their best basketball in the last month? No. Is the sky falling in Knoxville? No. No, it is not. 
They are 13-2, and and they play Kentucky on Saturday. So there's my opening rant. I'm sorry if it offended anybody that thought that way, but I'm telling you, you got to chill out. We're fine. It's college basketball. You lose games. They've lost three games all season. If I would have told you at the beginning of the year that Tennessee basketball this year with this schedule, playing Louisville, Kansas, Gonzaga, Kentucky twice, Florida twice, the way that LSU's played this year, LSU, Auburn on the road, and if they finish with three losses, if I told you at the beginning of the year that this team was going to lose three games, every single person that listens to this podcast, if they are honest with themselves, would say that that is the best season that we could ask for. And there's still a chance they do that. And there's a chance they win it outright or a share of the SEC title. Ugh, it, it, it makes me mad. I, I, I don't know if I, you can tell that I'm getting angry talking about it, but good grief, it just really irks me sometimes with the idiocy, the delusional idiocy, and I've said it on this podcast before, the delusional idiocy of the University of Tennessee fan base never ceases to amaze me. Never, and it never will, I guess. So let's move on um, to the biggest game in Thompson Bowling Arena history on Saturday. Number seven, Tennessee versus number four, Kentucky. Not only is this Tennessee-Kentucky basketball, and if you ask 90%, no, 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 more than that. Let's let's say 95%. I think it's 95%. You ask 95% of Kentucky basketball fans who on their schedule they want to beat the most every season, every single one of those coal miners is going to point directly at the University of Tennessee. It's a great basketball rivalry. Even when Kentucky was beating us handily, it's still a great basketball rivalry. It just is. No one in college basketball is even close to the number of times that Tennessee's beaten Kentucky in history. It's not even close. I think the next best is Florida. I think they're like 20 games back. So you have that going for you. And then you have the fact that Kentucky was the team that knocked off the number one team in the country handily. They showed Tennessee their weaknesses. They dismantled them. They out-physicaled them. They wanted it more than we did that night in Rupp Arena. It's just, it's just the facts. I think the players would admit it. I think Rick Barnes has admitted it. That's just what happened on that Saturday night. And here's your chance for revenge. It is going to be a sold-out Tommy Bull. These guys have played in front of sold-out crowds. They played in front of raucous crowds. That crowd last year against Georgia to take a share of the SEC title at the end of the season was a raucous crowd. That crowd against Kentucky last year was a raucous crowd. That crowd against North Carolina last year was a raucous crowd. I don't think that they have any idea what is going to hit them on Saturday night in t- in the Tommy Bowl, or I guess Saturday afternoon. It's going to be a whole nother animal for these guys. Last year was a lot of fun because we didn't expect it. This year, we expect it. We're the number seven team in the country. We were the number five team. We were the number one team for a month. 
We've been in the top 10 for like three straight months. It's becoming a little bit of a home this season for this group. And it's exciting. But guess what? Kentucky embarrassed you two weeks ago. They embarrassed you on national TV in prime time. Here's your chance for revenge. And usually Thompson Bowling Arena is like 80-20 Tennessee Kentucky fans. Let's just be honest. And it's not that these Kentucky fans are coming from Lexington. These are the Kentucky fans that are from, oh, I've, I've been a Kentucky fan my whole life. I live in Kingsport. Yep, that's exactly who they are. They've lived in Kingsport. They're Alabama football fans and Kentucky basketball fans. And when Tennessee's good, they're Tennessee football fans and Tennessee basketball fans. Don't forget that. But there's going to be so many diehard VFLs in the Tommy Bowl on Saturday. It's giving me chills just thinking about it. What Rick Barnes has done with this basketball team and this basketball program is giving me chills. And the fact that this game means this much, if Tennessee wins, they've got two games left. And if they win both of them, they get a share of the conference for the second straight year, back-to-back SEC champions, regular season champions. It's really incredible. And everyone's ready to throw in the towel and talk about how this is a sweet 16 team, maybe a lead 18. I won't have it. I won't have it. But this game means a lot to a lot of people. As a lifelong Tennessee fan, and I know I'm this podcast, I, hey, I, I got my demographic down at this point. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are lifelong VFLs or new VFLs, but VFLs nonetheless, I think you would agree with me. This game means more than just a basketball game to a lot of us. This is for pride. This is for, hey, this is our year. We've got a legitimate shot. I want to be a champion. That's what this is for. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're going to be in Thompson Bowling Arena on Saturday, I expect you to be loud. I expect you to be raucous. I expect you to give have no relent for this University of Kentucky basketball team that's coming in feeling mighty high because they, they took it to us two weeks ago. Let's show them what the University of Tennessee is all about. I'm coming up tomorrow. I'm leaving Atlanta. I'm driving up to Knoxville. I don't know if I've ever been this excited for a basketball game. And I've been to a lot of good Tennessee basketball games. And I know a lot of you have either. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling you. I was in Memphis when Tennessee beat Memphis number one versus number two. That game had an excitement around it that maybe not even this game can gather. But I'm telling you, I think this game means more to so many more people. This game is everything to Tennessee basketball fans, and it's everything to Kentucky basketball fans. If Kentucky loses this game, there's a very good chance that Kentucky, as good of a year as they've had, as hot as they've been, they're not going home with a share or or, or an outright conference title. It's just not happening. And to watch that team in orange, who during your best football season in program history, Absolutely took it to you on Shea Watkins Field. Because we wear orange and they wear blue. To watch that basketball program beat you at what you're known for. Oh man. That's the dream. That is the dream. So if you're going to be there, be loud. Be engaged. 
if things go bad early, it's okay. We're senior laden, senior and junior laden. We can we can withstand it. It's okay. But good God, don't let Jordan Bone get into the bone zone. He'll tear you up from free throw line extended. We need Jordan Bowden to have a good game. We need Lamonte Turner to have a good game. Number two is going to do what number two does. And I think we all know that. But let's move on. A lot of other good teams in college basketball this year. And honestly, that's the best part about college basketball compared to the NBA, right? I'm sitting here right now. I'm watching this Jazz and who are they playing? The Nuggets? The Jazz are one of the best teams in the NBA. They've got no shot of winning. They've got no shot of winning. Tennessee's the number seven team in the country, and a lot of people would say that they've got a great shot of winning. But a lot of good teams in college basketball, and something that I saw interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at the top, I guess this was last week when Tennessee was in the top five. You look at the top five teams. It was Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Every single team in the top five has been beaten and beaten a team in the top five. I think that's really incredible. Not often does that happen. Not often does that happen. But they, but everyone just banged up on each other in the top five. A real good depth this year. North Carolina's really good. Michigan's pretty good. Nevada's pretty good. There's really good depth in college basketball. LSU's good. Really good depth in college basketball. And I think we've noticed something else this year, too. And I mentioned it in football. I didn't know if I would have to say it in basketball, but I'm going to. The irrelevance of the Pac-12 in sports and collegiate sports is is quite remarkable. And this was my... I was going to say one big thing, but... I don't want to steal from Scott Van Pelt. This is this is my second monologue. I, actually, this is my first monologue. My big rant of the night was that the University of Tennessee fans that were ready to give up on this team after they've lost two games in conference play but against two really good opponents. Um, but my monologue is how bad the Pac-12 is. It's really remarkable. UCLA was once a power in college basketball. They're irrelevant. Irrelevant. USC irrelevant the only team that's really worth a damn in the whole league excuse my French is Arizona State I guess Washington's pretty good but good night Pac-12 wake up get with it or you will be forgotten about it's really quite incredible how irrelevant the Pac-12 is in both sports college football and college basketball, and everyone knows no one cares out West about college baseball. So the big three college sports, you're just going to be irrelevant in all three of them. It's time for new leadership. It's time for a rebranding. It's time for the Pac-12 to start scheduling big-time events and getting their teams promoted. The, the, the commissioner of the Pac-12 needs to go to their athletic directors and say, hey, you guys need to get in top-tier coaches. Or, or look at the funding. The funding is going way down. We don't get any money anymore. The only team in football that's made any type of moves is Washington getting Chris Peterson, what was that, like five years ago? That's it. The rest of the league's an embarrassment. 
USC was once a power there, an embarrassment. UCLA had Jim Mora. Had to fire him. Embarrassment. Get with it, Pac-12. College basketball, can you even name me a coach? They fire Ben Howland? Yeah, how's that going, UCLA? Guess what Ben Howland's doing in Mississippi State? He's taking Mississippi State to the NCAA tournament. Time to get with it. Get with it or get lost. Because in college basketball, there's a lot of better conferences than you. A lot better. The Big East is better. <laughs> you could even argue the a 10s better. Get with it or get lost. So I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. I think I did, but we're go- it, it's just me today. Um, I, just, I had to get some content out there. It's been too long, and uh, I wanted to get this podcast in. Um, but we're going to end with this. And the last time we talked, Jim Chaney had just been hired by Jeremy Pruitt. T. Martin had just been hired by Jeremy Pruitt. And and I said, it's all going to come down with how we close on National Signing Day with how good this year is. But before I get into how good Signing Day was this year, just think about how good Jeremy Pruitt has been at recruiting in his first two years. The, the class he threw together his, his first year was literally shooting at the stars, and he got it. And the class that he put together this year all these guys were seniors in high school when he took the Tennessee job. They were going to be they were upcoming seniors. These guys have been recruited for two years at this point. This next cycle, Jeremy Pruitt and his staff has had three years to work at these guys. I think you're going to see a huge, huge, huge gains from the University of Tennessee in recruiting next year. And not to say this year wasn't bad. They were the number 11 class. Let's get into some of those guys that were able to rally in. Wanya Morris. Quaveris Crouch, Ramel Keaton, Eric Gray, Darnell Wright, Henry Tuotua. Remember when I said if we got Darnell Wright and Henry Tuotua, Jeremy Pruitt should get a statue outside Neyland? Well, guess what? He did both those things. He almost got George Pickens, but he didn't. So let's hold off on the statue. Now that he's got him, I guess I got to move the uh, the goalpost. Sound like a Democrat in politics, just moving the goal goalpost all the time. Um, <laughs> nope, we're not getting political here. Um, but no, Jeremy Pruitt did a, a fantastic job this past offseason. And really, not only Jeremy Pruitt, Brian Niedermeyer. I mean, honestly, round of applause for him. Two sites voted him Recruiter of the Year. He just loves Tennessee, and he loves Jeremy Pruitt, and he loves his job, and he, he's being very well reimbursed, and he should. And I can't wait till his name is announced at Tennessee uh, football, at the first Tennessee football game. It's going to be awesome, and he deserves it. He deserves that standing O. But I, there's a lot of guys on this team. If you have not, stop what you're doing. Put my podcast on pause. Right now, get on your phone, because I know it's in your hand, and look up Quaverius Crouch. Right now, Quaverius Crouch, Tennessee. Only three words you know. Then hit images. This guy looks like a senior. Not in high school, in college. He's huge. (laughs) I think he might be starting It is it is freshman year. Same with Henry Tuotua. Talk about an all-time athlete. 
How about Wanya Morris bleeding orange for months and convincing Darnell Wright? There's something special going on, and I'm gonna and and I'm gonna lead to this. So I think most of you guys know at this point. Um, in the past week, uh, that Kerry Stevenson came from Alabama to Tennessee, and he was asked on leaving Alabama from Tennessee. This is Kerry Stevenson's quote. He said, "Quote." It felt like the thing to do. I have a great relationship with Coach Pruitt. I want to help him be successful. Pruitt will close the talent gap between Tennessee and Alabama, and players have better relationship with Pruitt than Saban. (laughs) Remember when we said back in, when we beat Auburn, we said things are happening here. Not just on the field. They went five and seven. Right, they got spanked by Missouri. They got beat by Vandy, spanked by Vandy again. But we said special things are happening. Then he brings in Jim Cheney. Then he brings in T. Martin. Then he brings in a top fifteen class. Then he brings in Kerry Stevenson. I don't really know what else to say at this point. There's a lot of good things happening. There's a lot of people that believe. There's a lot of people that have faith again. Um, and this is happening in a lot of sports. Tennessee baseball is nine and zero. I don't. I, I wanted to talk about them tonight a lot. I've been following all their games. The great Andy Brock on the call for most of them. He's done a fantastic job. But. Uh, we're going to hold off on Tennessee baseball. I don't want to jump the gun on them, but they've had a great start to the season. There's only one NCAA Division I Power 5 baseball school that's undefeated, and it is yours truly, the team that wears orange and white and pinstripes sometimes and gray sometimes. Also, the University of Tennessee Bas- or baseball volunteers. But we're going to hold off on them and get to them in my next pod or the, or the pod after. Big tournament this weekend. I hope they do well. But this weekend will be surrounded by what happens in the Tommy Bowl. I'm going to give my prediction. And we're going to wrap it up here. Because I need to uh, to get to sleep so I can get to the office early tomorrow. So I can get out of the office early and get to Knoxville. But here we go. Grant Williams is going to have a career day. You heard it here first. Admiral Schofield is going to have a double-double. I think Grant Williams might have 30 points. I think Admiral Schofield might have 15 and 11, 20 and 11. Kyle Alexander will not foul out. Jordan Bone will do everything in his power to do well. Lamonte Turner will have four plus threes. And the defense will buckle down behind the roar of Thompson Bowling Arena, which they have not heard. And they've heard a lot of good roars, but none like they're going to hear on Saturday. Final, I think Tennessee wins something like 77 to 66, 77 to 64. Close, but Tennessee, it, it may be eight points most of the second half. Kentucky might get it to two or three at one point, but Tennessee ends up pushing away late. I think they win it somewhere between 13 and 10 points. And it shouldn't be surprising, and people are going to be surprised, and people are going to be like, oh, I, I, I just knew we were playing bad. Yeah, we know. You can delete your tweets, but there's a lot of people that we know. 
It's okay. It happens. I get it. Tennessee, the university has let you down before. Stick with this group. They're worth it. They are worth it. So have a great week to everyone. I'll be back on the mic next week. I will have a guest for us next week. I don't know who that's going to be yet. I've got a couple people that have said they will. Um, I'd love to get some spring training talk with Kevin McAlpin of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, need to uh, get back in contact with him. Um, but hopefully we will have a great guest for you next week. But until then, go Vols. Stay with it. It's all going to be okay. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Vols. Thank <laughs> you.